0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. The passage that I'm about to read is one of the more significant passages in my life. Uh, this is a passage that, of course, I probably read it before, but it really came alive to me about 20 years ago when I was studying it uh, as a, uh, between my freshman and sophomore years of college at our Christian Fellowship Summer Conference and we were studying it together and as we came to this particular place in Mark, uh, the, it was one of those times when the words just leap off the page and make sense in a new way. So I pray this morning as we read it and reflect on it together that these words would come alive for you as well so you could see God, who God is in a new way, who Jesus is in a new way and what that means for your life. So let's read together Mark chapter 10 verses 35 to 45. We pray that you would speak to us now as we reflect on your word. Would you take this word, would it not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, that it may change the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I want you to imagine a heavenly baseball game. What will it look like if we get to heaven and we're playing baseball? any other sport will do but imagine baseball it's a little bit tricky to imagine because usually when we think of sports we think of competition and we think of trying to beat the other guy or whatever you know we try we think of people who are effectively glorifying themselves making themselves look good but in the heavenly baseball game imagine that you're the pitcher and the pitcher in the heavenly baseball game is looking at the batter and as he's getting ready to throw his pitch He thinks, I really, really hope that he hits it out of the park, because I want him to succeed rather than me. And now, yet, instead of trying to make it easy for him, he then thinks, and I'm going to throw the very best pitch I can, because I want him to excel when he hits it out of the park. So the pitcher is throwing his best, not really because he hopes that he wins, but because he wants to make the batter look good. That the batter hits the very best pitch out of the park. And the batter thinks the same thing and thinks, I'm going to take my best swing at this. I'm going to try to make the very best hit that I can. And while I do, I hope that he throws me a pitch that's so unhittable that he looks really good. You start thinking about this, it's it's kind of hard to imagine, really. It's kind of mind blowing to try to think what it looks like to compete in a way that really hopes that the other person does even better and gets more glory. That uh, that illustration of the heavenly baseball game is not my own. That came actually from my college campus minister who was leading the Bible study that I talked about uh, in this. He first shared that with me and I thought that's an amazing picture of a totally otherworldly perspective from what we're used to. And we hear that and we think, wouldn't that be amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing in sports that everybody is competing their hardest yet hoping the others do well. Wouldn't it be amazing in other aspects of life where everybody is focused not on what they can get for themselves but on how they can serve other people. On how they can make other people happy. Not what can I do today for my own enjoyment but what can I do today to make somebody happy. It's a nice idea and yet We do not attain that, do we? That is not the reality of our lives. Instead, we find ourselves, even when we want that, we find ourselves falling back into the same patterns of sin and selfishness, of trying to protect ourselves. Sometimes thinking, man, I could do this for somebody else, but I don't know if I have the energy for that. Or if I keep serving them, who's going to take care of me? And we wonder this and we struggle with it. And so sometimes, We act in actual selfishness. Sometimes we just kind of go into passive nothingness where we just kind of curl up and protect ourselves because we're afraid of putting ourselves out there. Sometimes, like James and John, we do put ourselves out there, but not put ourselves out there for service. We put ourselves out there for greatness, trying to move up in the world. In fact, this is what our culture encourages. I remember when I was... Uh, when I was in college getting ready to go out and interview for jobs, one of the things is that you got to ask for the job that you want. you got to put yourself out there. Make yourself look good. Tell them you're going to be the best person. That's what James and John were doing. They're putting themselves out there. They're like, Jesus, hey, let us have the top positions. They talk about the right hand and the left hand. When Jesus is in his glory, they're acknowledging that he's king. They're not trying to take his place, but they're like, hey, let us be number one and two next to you. Right hand and left hand man. We still use those expressions the places of honor the places of authority what's fascinating is that jesus does not smack them down in the way that we expect he asks them a simple question well can you do it are you good enough for the job the cup that i drink that's suffering the cup of suffering can you suffer the way that i'm going to suffer can you be baptized with my baptism that's power are you willing to suffer And can you have the power that i have and they're like oh yeah we can do that jesus remarkably tells them yes you will do those things you will suffer you will have power but really you have no idea what you're asking for you don't understand really what it means to sit at my right and left hand because what jesus is telling us here if we want these kind of ideals of oh wouldn't it be great to serve wouldn't it be great to put other people first we have to start by realizing what Jesus is telling us here about himself. The key to all of this comes at the end of it, verses 43 to 45. First, he says, you know, whoever will be great must be your servant. Whoever will be first must be slave. Okay, that's hard. But here's the key. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus says that if we want to live a life of service, something that many of us want and admire, it starts by understanding who Jesus really is. We must understand that our King Jesus, he is Lord of all. He's Lord of all by being servant of all. That our King Jesus has redefined The nature of his kingdom so that he himself is the servant of all. And when we really grasp that Jesus has made himself the servant of all, then we can start to embrace his kingdom where service is valued over power, over authority, over adulation. Where service and love and putting others first are the things that are valued in his kingdom. We embrace that by realizing that the king himself is the servant of all. And so then once we realize that, there's kind of three steps that we can see in embracing that kingdom. And unfortunately this week, they don't start with the same word, nor are they perfectly, uh, perfectly parallel, but they're close. So the three steps, nice and short, we must redefine greatness, enjoy service, and choose others. Redefine greatness, enjoy service, and choose others. First, the redefine greatness. This is what I was alluding to earlier. Jesus does not tell James and John that their desire for greatness is wrong. And we've got to realize that so often we find ourselves, when we think we have these ambitions, we have these desires, We want to. we're competitive, we want to be great, We want to win. And it's so easy to think that those things are in and of themselves wrong. Jesus is saying they are not wrong. Your desire for greatness is not wrong. Your desire to win is not wrong. Your competitiveness is not wrong. But they are misdirected. The world tells us that to be great is to have people under you, to have people who will do other things for you, to have assistants and servants and all these kinds of things so you don't have to do much to have praise and honor and people saying your name and Jesus saying yes you want to be great but you have to redefine greatness in Jesus kingdom to be great is to serve so in this world so often we find ourselves trying to climb the pyramid to get to the top and there's lots of people at the bottom lots of people toiling with no recognition and low pay. And then there's some people who have made it a little bit more. And then a few people who are even more. And a few up here at the very top who have everybody doing what they want, serving them, taking care of them, providing for all of their needs. And Jesus says this pyramid of the world needs to be flipped upside down. Whereas you try to move up the pyramid, you move up the pyramid by holding up those above you by becoming the servant of others. And the beauty of this, by him saying that the Son of Man, Jesus, is servant of all, is that Jesus put himself at the bottom of the pyramid. And he has redefined greatness where his act of service, ultimately uh, the the greatest act of giving his own life, as it says here, is a ransom for many, that our sins might be forgiven, that our debts might be paid, has put him at the very bottom of the pyramid where he holds everybody up. But in his kingdom, the bottom of the pyramid is the position of honor. And the comfort of this is that if we redefine greatness in this way and we seek to serve others and pour ourselves out in a life of service, a life of putting others first, a life of counting others more important than ourselves, and we wonder who's going to take care of me, our Savior, our King, Jesus, has put himself at the bottom of the pyramid. No matter how low we go, no matter how many other people we are holding up, Jesus is still below us, holding all of us up. So we can pour ourselves out in service. We can give and give and give and know that Jesus is there holding us up. So we have to redefine greatness in our minds. So our our very desires and hopes and ambitions are changed from a life of ease and comfort and others serving us to a life of giving and serving because that's greatness in this kingdom. Once we've redefined it, then we need to enjoy service. And even saying that, you may think that is absolutely crazy. How can we we talk about enjoying service? service, enjoying doing things. I enjoy when I get things. I enjoy when other people do things for me. You might also think, I can't really make myself enjoy something. Like there's things I enjoy because I do and there's other things that I do because I have to. But Jesus' call really is for us to enjoy service. And we find this throughout the Bible. We find throughout the Bible that there is a command and a call to joy. We are called to give thanks in all circumstances. We are called to take joy even in suffering. If we can take joy in the midst of suffering, we can also take joy in service. So how in the world do you find joy in service? How can you make yourself to enjoy it? Well, let me ask you this. What is it that makes people enjoy their jobs? What are the things over the long term that really make people enjoy jobs? Now, everybody is a little bit different, but I think if you asked, if you took a survey of a wide variety of people, and by talking to people a lot over the years about their jobs, found that what most people enjoy most, what gives them the most satisfaction in their jobs, what makes them enjoy them, very often are the people that they're working with and the people who are leading. Their immediate bosses, their whole overall bosses, the people that are leading them, and the people that they're working with. It also helps for a lot of people if they feel like their job has some purpose, that they're doing a good job that's doing something good. Now, money is nice, benefits are nice, of course those things matter, but over the long term, the jobs that we love and enjoy, most people say it's the people, the people they work with, and the boss. Well. In Jesus' kingdom, what do we have? We have the best boss of all time. The boss who is always knows what is best for us. And yes, he calls us to hard things, but he's right there with us. In fact, he, came, he did not stay far off. He came from heaven to earth that he might do the job with us down in the trenches. And we have the, the people to work with. We don't just enjoy service in a vacuum of ourselves, but service is something we engage in as families and even as a church, as a community. So we have people to work with, we have a great boss, and we have a mission. What a mission, to serve and love the world around us, to be part of what God is doing, to restore all the broken things in this world, to make all things right again, to create a new community Where this heavenly baseball game becomes a reality, where people are not looking out for themselves and asking, how little can I do? But looking out for others and asking, how much can I do? And when we get to the end of our rope in human terms, somebody else steps in to take care of us. And then somebody else steps in to take care of them. We take care of one another in a beautiful community of service. So we really can enjoy service together. How do we get there? What does that look like practically? There's two ways to work towards enjoying this service together. One is the reframing of it. It really goes back to the redefining greatness. If service is what we are setting out to do, rather than something that has been placed upon us as an add-on, we're going to enjoy it more. If we think of it as our job and our calling that we get to do with a great boss and great people that we're working with, we will enjoy it more. Our mental attitudes and our expectations do make a big difference in how much we enjoy things. And the other part of it is prayer. We talked last week about prayer, and in Luke chapter 11, when Jesus is talking about the Father giving good gifts to his children, he finishes that by saying, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How can we enjoy service to others? With the help of the Holy Spirit. How do we get the help of the Holy Spirit? By asking, by praying, saying, God, give me more of your Holy Spirit that I may serve and serve and serve in enjoyment, that I may enjoy what I'm doing, even as it's hard, even as it's challenging. Once we have those in place, that we have redefined greatness so we know what we are looking for, what we are seeking, that we are enjoying the service in community with others and the help of the Holy Spirit, then we can make the choice of will to choose others, to choose first. And at the end of, this day, of the day, this still often does come down to choice. Day in, day out, we have to choose other people. Sometimes we want to do it, sometimes we don't. And even when we don't, we still have to choose others. And then as we do this day in, day out, it forms a habit. And that habit of choosing others actually does turn into enjoyment, and does turn into greater understanding. So the the choosing, the will, properly flows from the redefining and the enjoyment, but it also circles back and contributes to those things. So these things all work together. We work on what we know to redefine, we work on what we feel to enjoy the service, and then in willful choice we choose to put others first, to serve instead of quitting to choose their needs over our own. And so I mentioned, the, I, I already mentioned the, the, the impact of this passage that particular night at our summer conference, but this came alive to me not just from one night, but because of being shaped by, by habits, by choices, particularly by habits at Summer's Best Two Weeks that I mentioned earlier. This camp that we started here that I love, The reason I love it is because it has been so powerful in my life. And one of the things that is powerful at Summer's Best Two Weeks Camp is that camp revolves around the I'm third motto. God first, others second, and I'm third. And by putting it out there in a simple motto, God first, others second, I'm third, by repeating it over and over again, and even sometimes doing silly things, because it's camp, right? We do silly things at camp. We sing songs with I'm third in it. Sometimes you know people will kind of in a silly way go to the back of the line when it doesn't matter. But it does matter. All of those things matter. They build up and build up into habits and attitudes. We even, we even have an award at camp. The I'm third award. We recognize the camper who has most put others ahead of himself and put God First, and you're kind of like isn't that weird to recognize and honor somebody who's trying to honor other people it's a little weird I'll give you that but it's also good it encourages us in the right direction it forms habits of our heart it shapes our desires in the right way to see what real greatness is so the question for each of us this morning is what choices are we going to make what habits are we going to adopt where we can choose others before ourselves, where we can choose to serve. This could happen within your family. This could be a matter of of preferences, of what activities you engage in. This could be a matter of chores and housework. This could be something you do as a family, towards other families. Say, we're not gonna just hang out with ourselves tonight, we're gonna go and serve other people. This could be something you do as individuals with friends, that you see people in need, you make them cookies, you mow their lawn, you look out for these things. This could be a matter of taking time to pray for people. This could be a matter of inviting people to become part of a church community because you know that's what they most need. There's all kinds of different ways this can play out in individual lives and individual circumstances. But the call to all of us is to follow our King Jesus down the pyramid. I said the camp motto was I'm third. God first, others second, and I'm third. And it's important that we have the whole thing. Because if we just choose others in the abstract, then all we get is community service. And we get requirements for community service, and checking boxes, and trying to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. Now there's nothing wrong with community service inherently, but it's not sustainable. What will sustain us for a lifetime of service to others, a lifetime attitude of pouring out for the sake of others, that can only come if we put God first. We put God first in worship, God first in prayer, God first in our hearts, and then we see more and more that Jesus gave his very life for us. And he is the one holding us up. And as we serve others, we are drawing closer To him and then we can be sustained for a life of service would you pray with me father we thank you for your word We thank you for your love to us we pray that you Holy Spirit would take this word and sink it deep into our hearts show each of us what it means as we reflect on this this morning this afternoon this week show us what it means in each of our individual lives to choose and serve others